So I'm glad to be here for many reasons. One of those reasons is because um, our household has been very eventful over the last week. Um, we have one by one, our family succumbed to something in the neighborhood of strep throat. And uh, we didn't get tested, but we're pretty sure that's what's been going around. So it started with Paige, and then day after day, somebody else got knocked out until I was the last man standing. So on Thursday, Chris and I decided that we would both on Friday write a message with the same points, and then on Saturday, we'd decide who was going to speak it. And um, so yesterday, Saturday, was crazy. Um, in between cleaning all of the, the clothes, the, all of the, the laundry from the trip, or from not from the trip, from the sickness and homecoming, which my kids were fever-free from, they were able to go to, um, between the pictures for that and the decorating for that and the hair for that, I got chosen. So you guys are stuck with me today. Um, yeah, thank you. So I've learned something about myself. I learned this last year that when I have to speak like this last minute, I'm actually less nervous than when I would speak at other times. For one, I don't have time to second guess myself. But then also, I know that God's got it because I haven't had time to even act like I have it. So I know that God is going to make it land where it needs to today. Um, I want to start today by telling you a story. So at the beginning of the summer, our family took a trip to Hawaii for our 25th anniversary. We took our kids with us for a couple reasons. One, we just wanted them to be close to us because we'd had a really rough year. And two, to bless them because they had done amazing through that year. And so we made so many amazing memories. But one in particular came to mind today um, that I wanted to share. And it's, it's okay, so one thing we did that was really neat is Chris decided to take each child out individually and do something special with them. So on this particular day, he was taking Paige to a seahorse farm. And it was about 45 minutes away from where we were, so he took the car. And we were really blessed that the condo we were staying in was located in such a, a way that we had access to two different resorts. So we kind of took turns going to different resorts. So we decided he was going to drop us off at the closest one. And he said, if you guys get tired before we're done, go to the concierge, have them get you a car. So we went, we stayed out in the sun, we ate lunch, we were tired, we decided we wanted to go back. So we go up, and I asked the, um, the valet, you know, do you guys have a car? And they're like, no. And so my voice was really weak. And even when it's strong, like talking to strangers is not my favorite thing. So I sent Megan to the concierge. Well, I thought I was going to send her to the concierge. She came back. And she's like, Mom, I was thinking, we should just walk. Like, we can, it's not that far. We should just walk. Obviously, she wasn't wanting to talk to them either. So she has enough of my husband's gift in her that Hope and I, at this point, we're pretty excited. We're like, we've got this. We can walk. We're going to do this. So we start off. And, you know, the ballet, they're, like, looking at us. We're crossing the parking lot. And we should have known it was not going well when immediately I turn the wrong way. We start walking, and then the girls are like, Mom, I think we're going the wrong way. I'm like, I think you're right. So we turn around. We're walking down the road. And so I start to think that the whole time we've been at this resort, I never remember seeing anyone walk on the side of the road. Like, it's just not something that people were doing. So I think that every other car was thinking the same thing because, they're all looking at us like we're really strange. And 
one of my daughters, I'm not going to say which one, but it happens to be the daughter with really good ideas, who she thinks she has good ideas, is lagging behind. And so the other daughter and I are having to be a cheerleader the whole time. Like, come on, come on. Like, your mother is lapping you. Come on. And so we're having to encourage her. We we passed this bridge that I do not remember seeing. And we're encouraging each other. We're still on the right road. So 45 minutes later, we get to our condo. And I was never so excited for air conditioning. I mean, it was, it was, it was traumatic. So I say all that to say that now, in the aftermath, it's one of my favorite memories of the trip. Because I found that even the most difficult of situations can be better when you have someone beside you. Yes, Proverbs 17.7 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of, of adversity. Today we're going to talk about that type of brother and sister. But let's start with prayer. Lord God, you are so good. And I don't have anything exceptionally profound to say today, except that I know everything I have comes from you, and that's pretty amazing. I thank you that you are the God that gives us life. You are the God that gives us truth, that you share those things with us. And so my prayer today is that you would be lifted high, that we would indeed wake up to your goodness, that we would wake up to your presence. Be here in the middle of all that we do, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am still getting used to hearing myself in the microphone because for my entire adult life, I sounded one way. And now the difference is very magnified in my ears when I get up. And so I am fighting in my mind to not let it settle. And so I just want to take a little bunny trail and I want to encourage you. Don't let toxic thoughts settle in your mind. Don't follow those things. I love when I get up here to remind you of things that you already know. Because repetition is the best teacher. And I think that one of our biggest failings as Christians is not acting on what we already know or forgetting it, right? And so I want to remind you of something today that I've taught you in the past, that our minds have pathways of thought in them. Every time we think, we create or we go on a path that is already there. So we are constantly either um, encouraging those healthy pathways or creating toxic ones. My challenge to you today is don't ever start the toxic ones. Don't let the enemy have that foothold. Don't even start going down the road because those toxic pathways are very difficult to get off of because they get cemented like highways. And so today it is not wrong for me to be caught off guard by my voice, but it would be wrong if I believed the toxic thought that I am no longer eligible to speak because of it. It would be wrong for me to believe that what I have to say is not as effective because of the way that I sound. Do you understand? Now, I can do those things. I can take those thoughts captive because I know who I am, because I know what I'm called to do. You can do the same when you know who you are in Christ. Don't ever follow those toxic thoughts. Take them captive. Now, that is not my message today. That is just something a little extra. 
But in so many ways, my message for the women's event bridged Pastor Chris's last series on prayer and this one, especially what we're talking about today in community. My message for the event was about prayer and community. And it's no coincidence that God has had us sitting on these two things. Can you sense that God is up to something? Mm -hmm. And when he says the same thing over and over, I have learned that we should listen. And we should listen closely. So today we get to see what God did in the first church when prayer and community came together in the book of Acts. I get to go back into Acts 2 and grab some really neat information. Now, when I realized that today we were going to be talking about community, I got really excited. So my knee-jerk reaction when Pastor Chris started getting sick was, I can't do this. I've got too much going on. But then I read the verse. I was like, okay, I've got this. I can do it. I was super excited. So I want you to know that my excitement over community is coming from a once-professed loner. It's coming from a person who didn't know the power of delegation and flexibility. From a person that once didn't know the richness and wisdom that others had to share. It's coming from an introvert that understands the need to get away from people in order to refuel. It's coming from someone that understands your struggle. But I have found that every allowance I've made for community has been worth it. Even the messy ones, even the painful ones. God has used all of it to make me who I am today. He's used it to make me better. He's used it to fuel me. Even when sparks fly, he uses it as Kindle. So I want you to turn with me to Acts 2, 42. I'm actually going to go back and grab 41. And then we're going to read to 47. And it says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's amazing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you see the intentionality in this? Do you see the togetherness? Do you see them advancing the kingdom? Do you see them maturing? I hope so because it's all in there. The vision statement and mission statement of Destiny Church are, Destiny Church exists to advance the kingdom of God in our homes, our city, and our world. And we plan to do this by becoming mature followers of Christ, belonging to an authentic community, and building kingdom causes. We got these statements by looking at the New Testament church. We see the church in Acts advancing the kingdom in their homes, in their city, and in their world. We see them becoming mature followers of Jesus 
we see them belonging to an authentic community and building kingdom causes. Now listen, it's our willingness to do life together that will determine how we mature and how we advance the kingdom. This church here in Acts that we're reading about is our prototype. The New Testament church was born out of Pentecost. This was the result. This shows us what church life is supposed to look like. It's our measuring rod, not the church down the road, not the church on YouTube. The New Testament church is our model. What we call community, you hear us talk about that a lot. We talk about how our core values are Christ, community, cause, so you hear that often. It's actually the word fellowship. Now you've heard Pastor Chris refer to it as the one another's in the Bible. There are around 60 one another's in the Bible. It's a big deal. And if it's a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to us. So today we're going to answer four questions. The first one is, what is fellowship? So fellowship is a very overused but undervalued word. It is the Greek word koinonia, and it means communion, contribution, sharing, and partnership. It is a very active word. Do you hear that in the definition? It requires interaction. To give it a nice and neat definition, it is gathering with a goal of sharing the life of Jesus with one another and sparking each other to spiritual growth. That is a hands-on activity. This type of community is together often. This type of community cannot happen on a device. The community that we read about in Acts was intensely relational. It takes participation, and we don't outgrow this need. As we age naturally and spiritually, we don't outgrow the need for fellowship. We never age out of this definition. That definition never changes. So the second question we're going to answer today is, why is fellowship needed? And I'm going to give you three big reasons. First of all, our Christian community is one of the greatest aids in our brain transformation. So all of my ladies that were at the event, you're going to recognize this point. Um, I'm going to read to you out of Romans 12, 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Fellowship helps the process of this principle right here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let me explain. Science has found that we are not just right brain people or left brain people. All experiences enter through the right brain. The, the right brain starts processing our surroundings and drawing conclusions before the left side is even aware that it's happening. The right side is the fast track, and yet we approach our Christianity from the left side with points, rules, and lists. If the left brain runs at the speed of words, the right brain runs at the speed of joy and attachment. This joy and attachment are developed in community. When the right side of our brain and the left side work together, 
transformation becomes commonplace. And I mentioned in my introduction how our minds form thought paths. Our community helps us to stay on healthy paths and calls us up when we start to create toxic ones. Our right brain operates in the realm of relationship. Now listen to this. It is nonverbal and it is updating our reality and responses six times per second. That's a lot. It works much faster than the speed of words in which our left brain operates. The joy and attachment we create with our community operates at a speed faster than we can comprehend. Fellowship is an incubator for our spiritual growth. In community, we grow in ways that we could not without it. Another reason we need fellowship is found right here in Acts. We see in chapter 4 that a problem was starting to arise. So I'm going to read that to you. It says in verse 1, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. We see the beginnings of persecution. By verse 8, it is so intense that the church scatters. Fellowship was the relief and encouragement for the persecution. Everything in culture has always fought against the church. We have the same pressures today. Persecution is the second reason we need fellowship. We too need the relief and encouragement that it brings. Now, did you know that in the United States, 90 churches close their door every week? Every week. That's about 4,700 churches that do not exist anymore every year. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but since the pandemic, 45% of regular churchgoers, these aren't people that came every once in a while, regular churchgoers have stopped going. We need each other in persecution and in hard times, or guess what? We fall apart. Mm -hmm. Barna Group says that millennials and Gen Z are living in an age of anxiety. Two in five report some type of anxiety. Since COVID, counselor, uh, counselors are having to say no to new patients because they are so overloaded. We need each other. If our churches are dying, it's not because the church is dying. The church is alive and active. If our little C churches are dying, it's because the people inside of them are dying. We've got to come together <coughs> because a broken world needs us. They don't need us to be perfect. They just need us to be present. They need us to be together. The third reason that fellowship is needed is to combat our self-centered culture. Mobile technology has become so personalized that it's turned us inward toward ourselves instead of outward toward others. Think about it. We get to create our own little world on our personal device. Everything on it serves me. 
I can escape here when I don't want to engage. I can numb myself when I'm down. And I'm not saying it's all wrong, because personally, I wouldn't know where I'm going, when I'm going there, and how I'm going to get there without my phone. I also couldn't do a lot of my church work without it. But fellowship cannot happen on here. It cannot. We have to be together. Everything about real community fights isolation for a good reason. We cannot grow in our small little worlds. We have to expand them and make room for fellowship. We will be better for it. Our marriages will be better for it. Our children will be better for it. Our transformation needs it. We need fellowship to combat the pressures of this world, the pressure to be overwhelmed by outside forces and inward isolation. Our third question today is, how do you engage in fellowship? Well, back in our original scripture in verse 46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So what we read about in these verses was accomplished in two ways, in the temple courts and in their homes. So we see that fellowship took place in a big gathering, and it took place in a small gathering. The big gathering was more formal. In the big meeting, the apostles had something to say. In the big meeting, everyone celebrated together. That's what we're doing here today. This is our modern-day temple. But in the, the small meetings, were more informal. They met in homes. They were small meetings, and it was when you had something to say, when everyone participated. It's where the truth isn't just heard, it's practiced together. It's where truth gets dug into and hashed out. We have some of these small groups here at Destiny. They're called community groups. If you're not in one, you need to be in one. And if you're not in one, we would love to get you plugged into one after service today. Community groups are not just about finding friends. They are a way of building the church around our lives. It's gathering together with a goal. And that goal is spiritual growth. That goal is advancing the kingdom. Community groups are about staying on mission together. They provide hedges around us to keep us going in the right direction. It's doing church on purpose. Your community group, it becomes a place that you are known and recognized. It becomes your network for support, assistance, and encouragement. Now, our last question that we're going to answer today is, when should you engage in fellowship? We're going to go back to our scripture again. I'm going to read the same verse that I just did every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So when should you meet? Every day, right now, often, and no one can do it for you. If you put up walls, you'll find yourself hitting those walls over and over again. You'll find a limit to your spiritual strength, your spiritual growth, and you'll find a limit to your joy. Our reasons for avoiding community 
are normally fear or pride. Those are pretty much everything goes underneath those categories. Uh, we fear rejection. We fear being hurt. We fear losing control of our surroundings. We fear shame. We fear things getting uncomfortable. Those are all fears that need to fall. And guess what? Our community helps make them fall. The other reason we normally avoid community is pride. We think we don't need the help, that we can do it all by ourselves, that we're perfect as we are, that we're too busy, that we're too tired, because no one else could ever understand our schedule or fatigue, right? No one else has ever understood such conditions, right? We're the only ones. No. We've all been there. There's nothing new under the sun. We all need each other. And we all have the same amount of time in our day, right? And God tells every one of us that this is what we need. And I know that it seems counterproductive to give of ourselves in order to fill up. But that's the way of God. It's his design. We've always had to give in order to get, right? When we're tired and we do the thing anyway, we enlarge our capacity. When we feel empty and we entertain anyway, we stretch our spiritual muscle. When we open up to trustworthy people, we have just become wiser. When we ask for help, we have just multiplied our ability. When we acknowledge our weakness, we have just become stronger. When we let others help us to break the strongholds on our lives, we have just walked into a new level of freedom. If you don't let people in, you'll have a superficial attachment, and that will never make a significant difference. Now, going to church is vital, but it's just the beginning. You cannot go to the depth of relationship that is needed for fellowship in the big group. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving the Lord. You need fellowship in small groups. And I'm going to make a bold statement, and I know it's a bold statement because I've already weighed it before I've said it. If you are not engaging often in fellowship, you are hurting yourself. You are hurting your marriage and you are hurting your children. If you are not engaging often in fellowship, you are stunting your growth. I know it takes work. I know it's hard. I know it can get messy. I know it can be painful. I know it requires vulnerability. It's still worth it. When we say we are better together, we don't just mean that life is more fun together. No, we mean you will become the best version of yourself with community. Without community, you won't. You cannot walk this Christian life alone. You need other parents to encourage you and share their wins with you. You need people to see your faults. You need people to challenge you to confront your strongholds. You need someone to cry with. You need someone to laugh with. You will not become who you've been called to be by yourself. I posted a video last week about uh, when I was raising toddlers. And I really believe that one of the reasons I survived was because of the parents speaking into my life during that time. Um, I really did think that it was going to kill me. And so I had tangible proof that people did it and survived. And not only that, they had such wise ideas. They had tried them. They knew that it worked. And it was a lifeline for me. Fellowship is the key to unlocking blessing. King David tells us in Psalm 133, 
1 and 2, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. We use the word blessing so lightly. We say a quick one at meals. We put it on the bottom of correspondence. We say it when somebody sneezes. But the word blessing is one of the most powerful words in our dictionary. It means prosperity. And a couple weeks ago, Pastor Chris unpacked what that word means for us. It means invocation of good, good of every kind. But its most divine definition is favor of God. We hear the word so much. We've just ordered it into the dictionary with every other word. But is it anything but ordinary? It is powerful and life-changing, and it is greatly associated with fellowship. How about that? Do you want the blessing of God in your life? Of course you do. Of course you do. The fullness of it is going to require fellowship. I want everyone to stand with me. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to sing a song and then do communion after that. And I want you to know that communion is a transaction. In Jewish culture, it was an engagement ceremony. It meant that contractually, the couple was as good as married. The two stood before each other and they offered who they were to the other. If they accepted, they drank. God has offered us his life, his salvation, and even heaven. He's also offered us his blessing, his favor. The church is his bride, and he's offering her too. During this song, I want you to search your heart and see what might be holding you back from taking all he has to offer. What might he be asking of you in return for what he's offering? Lord God, let our hearts be open to it. Rest on us and speak to us this morning. Open us up. Show us the areas where we're holding back. Show us the areas where maybe we've, we've been operating in fear or pride, Father God. May they break today. In Jesus' name, amen.